Hello and welcome everybody. This is Adam from Miller's Custom Guitars and the N Plus One Podcast. I'm so grateful that you would tune in today and that you would join us. Today I am joined by a, a really special guest. You know, when we, you know, I asked the questions at the end of, uh, you know, most famous people that you've ever met. You know, the, today's guest might be mine. <laughs> I, I don't don't know very many and haven't met very many va- famous people, but today I am joined by, okay, maybe not the most famous, but I would say, and I, I'm, I'm not pulling my punches and I'm not trying to butter your bread, John, but you are arguably definitely in the top 10 of the most talented people that I've ever met, okay, because you are a true renaissance man. You can do it all, man. I'm joined today by my friend, uh, John C. Brown. Um, John, welcome. Nice to be with you. It's time for you to drop your cards now. Okay, hold on. Fast forward. Name job card. John C. Brown, ladies and gentlemen. John C. Brown, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Dang it, now they're out of order again. <laughs> they always do that. Okay. Um, okay. I started numbering them, people. <laughs> it doesn't help when you drop them. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, name job. Okay, um, John is uh, kind of similar to last week's episode with Jed. I met John through the worship ministries um, at my at my old church, and similar to Jed, John is a fabulous musician and pianist. Uh, but John is a amazing actor, and one of the things that's kind of crazy about where we live, and and maybe you can speak into this a little bit, John, that we live here in Sonora, and we have like two like pretty legit theater companies like here in town and what happens is that that kind of attracts like thespians right and so somehow or another like all of a sudden people who are like actors like live here because basically year round there are legitimate like like pretty high quality like theater groups that are um, putting on like really high quality like stage plays all year round, and and I've gone to a couple of them, and every time, I mean they're they're really high quality, and they they always put on a great show. I've just like people like John, uh, like um, Julie Ludlam, you know, who I definitely got to get on the show someday. They they end up in town, and. Um, and I feel like, is that how you ended up here in town? Is, is Yeah, absolutely. I was living in New York, and I had done summer stock with uh, a girl whose uh, parents lived in Sonora. Mm-hmm. And they knew about the theater, and they were looking for an LM in Pump Boys and Dinettes. And LM plays the piano and sings. And the next thing I knew, I was in Sonora, and I just fell in love with California. Right. And kept coming back. Like you say, it's year-round. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it was February and it was mm-hmm. 70 degrees and I thought, this right. is all right. Right. It's kind of like a lot of – there's businesses in this area where their whole recruitment strategy is like you could do what you do but live here. <laughs> you know, like you know, like some of the machining – the machinist shops or some of the, you know, like we, we have a couple smaller tech firms, like I know front porch and they're like, Hey, you know, like, cause we kind of live in like the, the, the Bay area's backyard, you know, like, Hey, you're going to visit, you know, the, the, you know, 
the foothills or, you know, you know, hunting or camping. Um, and you know, Hey, you could live here and do some of that stuff. And they kind of got you. <laughs> yeah. You ended up living here. And he thought it was great and the weather was good and the work was good. And yeah, and that was in the year, the year 2000. If anybody remembers that Brian sketch. Yeah. I wanted to get into it today. I, I've, I've seen you, uh, in a couple things, actually, um, I think we saw you in, was it the sound of music? Yes. You were, yes. And we saw you in the sound of music, which, um, when I saw you in that and it went long, they extended it. Was it once or twice that they extended it? Um, your memory about that would be better than mine. And when I said that, man, they extended it and you, you were like, you were like depressed because you, you were like done with it by then or something like that. <laughs> but um, but to um, you know, my favorite part sometimes, a lot of the time, is is putting the show together, find uh, overcoming the challenges or figuring out how things are going to happen tech wise or acting wise. And then once the show is set, I can, you know, the challenge is gone to a certain extent and I can get I can get bored easy, which is why I'm on a tour right now, which is why it's great for me. Because it's always changing. The, the venue is always changing. How you get from your dressing room to the stage is always changing. The people that are helping you dress is always changing. And so that overcoming the challenge part is always in play. That's awesome. And I, I want to get into that a little bit more in a minute. But let's let's just talk about acting. And, and for our listeners and viewers, you know, acting can be anything. It could be a commercial. You know, it could be voiceover. It could be, you know, movies, TV. It could be theater right um heck you could you could be you know just be in your living room with your kids right um but or, I, i'm kind of i want to what's that or at work with your co-workers <laughs> hey i'm in sales right <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> um it could be anything um but I, I i kind of want to mainly talk about today about um theater and you do you do a lot of things but i, I kind of want to direct our, our discussion to theater so could you maybe give us a like a, a five mile overview of, of maybe what you would consider like the a theater acting like maybe like as you would just explain it to a five-year-old maybe well it involves actors on a stage and mm -hmm. someone who's written the script that the actors are speaking and playing pretend acting out and then the other part of that well there's also people that are controlling the lights and people that make the costumes and people that make the sets and people that play the music in the case of a music show. Sure. Uh, and then there's always uh, an audience and that's the most important ingredient in any of this. We could all do all the tech and lights mm -hmm. and acting and costumes we want, but if there's nobody to come see it, then it's all for naught. And there's a relationship. There's a, there's a transference of energy that happens in a night in the theater as as it's a very human experience. This is maybe not for a five-year-old, but it's it's people watching other people telling stories about what it means to be human. And that right. can be very powerful. It can be very entertaining. Uh, it can be very thought-provoking. It can be a combination of all those things and more. And there's just nothing, nothing like it. Amazing. Um, so that kind of, that actually is a perfect segue into the next question. And it's the question I always like to ask all my guests, which is how did you get into it? How did little Johnny growing up look around and say, you know what? Um, that's what I want to do. I mean, were you a theater kid? Uh, did you go to a theater camp? Uh, when did you start 
wanting to act and be on stage. Um, what was your, I like to say, what was your gateway drug? Um, well, television, growing up with television on and game shows, I just thought were so exciting and so showbiz and so far away from New Hampshire where I lived as a kid and seemed so unattainable. But I didn't do any theater. Uh, in sixth grade, we did the Great American Game Show in the classroom. and I was the announcer and sold a banjo or whatever. But I really didn't do any theater until my senior year of high school uh, when I auditioned for My Fair Lady. Mm. Spoilers. I know, right? Suddenly I had a part and, and, it was, and I seemed like I had a, 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 an inclination that I was kind of good maybe, even though I was just doing a 17-year-old's impersonation of Rex Harrison. And then my parents were very supportive. In, they definitely wanted me to have a backup gig, you know, like a real job that might help pay the rent in case this didn't work out but as as it sort of started to unfold in front of me they were able to encourage it and give me room to explore and to grow in it and so yeah and I just kept doing it at higher and higher levels and here I am nice I feel like because acting can be so many different things I feel like it's so easy for people to have their own ideas about what acting is or what it could be when you tell when you talk to people about being an actor what are in your experience what have some misconceptions that you've um come across that people have about being an actor you know that's a, i saw that in your list of questions and i don't know do you know what people think about misconceptions about actors i don't know well so i mean like so you're not a hollywood actor right so like you know, hollywood actors are all vain stuck up you know, like they're, you know, well, okay. So like, you know, the check in the mirror, check in the reflection every five seconds. Right. And you know, there's part of it. You have to make sure that you're fit for stage. Right. You know, so there's part of it that's kind of true. You know, you got to make sure that your, that your costume's right, you know, and that, you know, your, the hair is right and, or whatever, you know, so that I would say that might be something like how true is, is that part of it? Does it carry over once you're off the stage? Are you looking in the mirror? To for check, me, you know? For me, I haven't found that to be true about you, by the way. No, I definitely look at myself in the mirror, you know, before I go on stage and I definitely mm -hmm. check to make sure my fly is up before I go on stage. Um, and, and I think it depends on the person and the actor. And yes, Hollywood is a game. And my experience in Hollywood, and I was only there for four or five years really in it. Um, I just didn't, I, I didn't want to work. I, I didn't want to dedicate my life to the chance that maybe one day I might break through and get a small piece of the big time. I decided yeah. that I would just, I'd rather do work. I'd rather spend my life doing it. Even if I never made it to the top of the entertainment pyramid, I just wanted to keep working and keep doing it. Um, so, and I'm not a good schmoozer. I don't play the game well. Um, so Hollywood wasn't for me. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's one thing that I can, I can attest to in the times that we've played music together in the past is that you're a pretty straight shooter, you know, like you'll just kind of like tell it like it is, you know? So, um, what have, what have you found to be in your career in acting that to be some of your biggest challenges? Well, in a touring production like this, being away from my wife, Jennifer is a challenge. I was away for six months on a tour just the, like three or four months after wow. married. So we've been doing this a yeah. while uh, and we know the routine and um, 
we're okay. We get through it. And she comes and visits in cities that she would find interesting to come and visit. That sounds like fun. It is fun. That's a challenge. And on a tour like this, you know, you're constantly on the move. Um, And so I'm I'm a loner. I'm a lone wolf on a a group like this. I'm friendly and I want to be pleasant to work with. But I've got my friends and, you know, today was a travel day. So we rode on a bus for eight hours. And when I got off the bus, I got the key to my room and I, I, you know, I want to be. And so it's a challenge for me to stay, to keep my, to keep my comfort barriers up. Does that make sense? Um, I get back to my room. I set things up. It's a, it's a challenge to keep that. I don't know if any of that is a worthy answer. The part about Jennifer is a great answer, but yeah. So, so, so I want to get into that because, so you are currently on tour. We're going to talk about more, that more a little bit later. You're currently on tour. Uh, and I was looking at the dates and this goes all the way into like May, right? So like, man, like that must be tough to be gone for so long. And when you do come back to California, like the closest you get is like San Jose. Like you're not even getting that close, man. Like, like, are you even, you're not even going to be able to like swing by home and like, no, we have, grab a fresh co- pair of clothes, right? We have two weeks off at Christmas, and okay. I'll come home for that. And then, yeah, we're out until May. I do this a lot, in, in, not in the show, but around, you know, when it's like, why don't you come closer to Sonora? And this means you can use this gesture in whatever show I'm doing. I just play man number one. I just play the piano. I just play Colonel Pickering. I don't know why we don't come any closer to San Jose. <laughs> what time is the bus call? What time is this, am I supposed to be? What time is curtain? How do I get from my dressing room to the stage? And then just try to stay out of everybody else's way. <laughs> for for the listeners and not the viewers, he's it looks like you just held a gun to him at gunpoint, and he's holding his hands up and surrounded. <laughs> Ask the scheduling team. <laughs> Look how clean my hands are. I just play. I just play Walter. I'm just I'm just a cog in the machine here. Yes, and I love being a cog in the machine. Especially a machine of this caliber. It's fun to be a part of such, something so complex and rich and not have to be in charge of anything except my track. Yeah. 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 That's definitely great. And that's, you know, there's part of it, like, that's part of why I work a nine to five job. You know, I had I ran my own business for a while and there's, there's something great about just clocking out and going home, man. It's like, you know, there's a saying, not my circus, not my monkeys, yes. you know. That's that's where this comes from. That's the same thing. But. You know, this is one of my favorite questions. It's like, and this is like why why we do anything is why what about this whole thing fills your bucket? Like, why do you even do what you do? Like, you're you're on the road for six months, and you're one of the leads. Okay, so that's that's pretty big, you know. But you're gonna you're not gonna be home for six months, man. Like, wh- why? Like, like what, what about being a, a stage actor like this fills your bucket? Well, I'm, you know, I'm getting paid to play pretend at, you know, that's fair at, at, an, at an, an age when a lot of adults don't get to do that anymore. Um, and I love to travel. I do like to travel. That's true. Um, and it's fun to plan, you know, we're going to be in Dallas for two weeks. So I'm already looking at where we're staying and where are the grocery stores and we're going to have rental cars. So I'm not going to get around and. What are the nice. museums I want to go to? And I love, I love to make audiences laugh. I, it fills my bucket for sure. There, Carol Channing had a quote about 
applause is a duty and laughter is a reward. Meaning the number ends, da 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 and the audience applauds because mm-hmm. that's what the audience does. But if mm-hmm. I can deliver the joke in a way, you know, we were in Indiana last night and I, there were like 2,000 people or whatever. And, and they weren't even that hot of an audience. They liked it, but they weren't, they weren't very vocal about their appreciation. But even last night, I made them laugh with a bit. Yeah, it's in the script, but I'm also interpreting it in a way that I hope adds, you know, the directors didn't say, don't do that. Um, and it's very satisfying to be able to make people laugh like that. People that have never seen me perform before. They don't just like me. You know, that was part of the thing about working in Sonora all the time is that I start to feel like, um, well, do they, you know, could I just come out here and read the phone book? They just like me. Am I, re- am I really? I have no barometer necessarily mm. because they like me as a person. Put me in front of people that have never seen me before. Can I move them? And then sure. I start to feel like, okay, yes, I, I have I have skills. I have the ability here. Yeah, you know, um, I kind of understand what you're saying about that because I'm a little – like my wife will tell me that she likes something I did. I'm like, yeah, but you're biased. Your vote doesn't count. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not nice or fair. <laughs> Never tell your wife her vote doesn't count. By the way. Her vote counts, but she's biased. She is biased. Yes. <laughs> this is this is quickly becoming one of my favorite questions, which is we talk about bad experiences um, or maybe bad gigs. You know, like as a musician, right? So I'm a musician. I've done some gigs. You know, I did a gig where you know we ended up walking away, and they they changed the terms on us after after we did the gig, and we ended up. Um, walking out of there, getting paid a lot less than we thought we were. It was it was awful. Anyway, it ended up being the thing that broke up the band eventually. But can you remember any notable bad experiences that might be a good story? Um, something maybe a the crowd turned on you, or maybe uh, someone broke a leg. <laughs> like literally, you know, they always say break a leg, or I don't know something. Can you think of anything? I mean, there's some. There's always things that happened you mentioned the sound of music another actor that was in that show becky saunders is also on this my fair lady tour nice and she reminded uh me by telling the story to other people that in the production of that sound of music she forgot to set the phone on stage i had forgotten this and of course the sound cue rang so the phone rang and i walked over to it and i apparently i could see her in the wing and i i pantomimed and looked at her with a hello and that got a big charge out of the audience uh there was a time in college uh, we were doing phantom not not uh android Weber's phantom but uh maura yeston's phantom same story and this note falls from the ceiling and there's a dramatic violin cue and i say it's the phantom and i <laughs> very dramatic moment and i run over to pick the letter out of the air and my shoes slip and i fall completely on my behind the audience starts laughing and to make matters worse the note falls into the front row and now i have to ask somebody could you could would you could you give me that please because i need that to go on with the show <laughs> there's always <laughs> stuff like that that's happening uh the other night on the my fair lady at some point after rain in spain there's a cup of tea under the sofa and eliza uses it and i could have danced all night 
and it was just out a little bit, just further than it was. And I stepped, I felt myself and heard myself step on something. And I looked down just before we're to exit and I see this big puddle of tea on the floor. And then it's my exit line. So I, you know, in my heart, I'm saying, oh, sorry, Maddie, about leaving you with the tea. But also I'm like, okay, you're a mess, not mine. Bye. <laughs> Hey, someone should clean that up I, before it's a problem. I broke the phone the opening night. Well, I slammed the phone down after one of my lines, uh, and I broke the cradle. <laughs> I've done one of the one of the props that you're planning to use for the whole entire tour. Yes, we have a, a phenomenal props team headed by a man named Rico, and he had another one there like that. And oh, nice! I mean, it, he of course encouraged me kindly not to break the prop. Hey, could you, it would be great if you didn't break the pop every single night on the whole show. That'd be wonderful. Good, good job. <laughs> That's awesome. Those are some great stories. Man. But I can't think of anything where we didn't get paid or um, business end, like, you know, and it is, it's show business. There's a whole business. End. Right. Sure. Of course. But you don't, what about like any, any stories of maybe like where a crowd turned on you or anything like that? Or So uh, Rocky Horror Show. Is, is okay. the film that many people know, but it's also a lot sure. of age experience. And the summer stock that I worked at in Michigan, I did seven summers there in my right after college. And they would do Rocky Horror like every other year and at the end of their season. And people would come. They would ask them not to throw things, but they could do all the callbacks that they wanted to, you know, where they shout out a setup for the line. Of course. And there was a – I was playing Brad and – I don't, I don't remember exactly where it was, but there was a time when they, their callbacks got so loud. I remember thinking, I've lost control of the show. They're in charge now and not me. And finally, we just had to keep talking again. This wasn't me. This is another story. This wasn't me. This was on an Elf tour. We were playing St. Louis. And the Saints, I think, were even in the Super Bowl or on their way to the Super Bowl or something. Sure. It was probably on their way, I guess. I don't know a lot about sports. Um, and in the beginning of the show, Mark, my friend Mark, plays Santa, and he's trying to get the, the, the TiVo to record uh, the, the football game. Oh, you know, the, the Saints were on. And it always, you know, they, we'd pick a local team for whatever city we're playing in. So he chose the Saints. They're in this huge playoff game. And I was in the dressing room looking at the game on my phone. And just as he said, the Saints are on, they scored. And all of the dads that had been dragged to the show that were watching the game on their phones in the audience went ballistic. And Mark <laughs> lost control. And there's like, you know, 3,000 people are, you know, in this theater. They just went, kept going. They just kept cheering and screaming. And finally, Mark said, okay, okay, Santa's got a show to do. And we went on. But they, they, That's awesome. They didn't turn on us. Another time I remember an, an audience reaction that scared me was very, I was young. We were doing Babes in Toyland at Lincoln Center. In, okay. And it was a dress rehearsal, I think, and they had invited school kids to come in and watch it. And I, there was these two henchmen, and I was the skinny one, and then there was the big, you know, fat guy one. And he would flow out his arms and knock me onto the ground. And they laughed so hard as I'm lying on my back, I thought something was wrong. The noise of that many people laughing, that the kids laughing that hard, it was like a roar. And I thought something had gone wrong. And then I realized, oh, they're laughing. Wow, mm. that's cool. Nice. Never happened again like that in the rest of the run. <laughs> nice. I have a question. One, one question that I like to ask people is about like a do-it-yourself technique. Do you have 
maybe a technique that you maybe developed on your on your own, whether it's for preparing for a role or maybe memorizing lines that you developed on your own that you haven't seen other people do and you feel like maybe your way is better um, or some, I don't know, it's just something you taught yourself for um, in your in your uh, well, I don't know that I taught myself. I like to be as prepared as I can possibly be. So, you know, when I show up, if I can be off book, meaning no meaning i know all of my lines then then we can start to really play because if i'm if i'm doing this and trying to and try right. to act with you but i'm reading the words then i can't really we can't really do it because i'm i'm doing this so mm -hmm. i like to try to get off book as quickly as i can other than anything i taught myself find your light you know especially in a touring situation or what do you mean by that um, meaning, uh, meaning, you know, that, uh, find your light. If you, can you feel that you're not in the light? We've set this light and you're like maybe six inches left or right of it. Can you feel? Oh, see, I thought that was, I thought you were being like esoteric. Oh, you know, find your inner light, man. You got to find the meaning. No, you're like literally on stage. There's a light and you need to be in it. <laughs> when Eliza comes in and, and for the dread, she's got her ball gown on. She comes to me, you know, we're, we're parallel to each other. Um, but there's light coming from the side of the stage, so we have to kind of, you can't really tell from the audience, but one of us, me, I just lean slightly up so that she gets her face in the light, and I'm not putting a shadow on her face. See, that's a veteran move right there. You know, like, a rookie might not might not think about that, or someone who hasn't been in it as long as, as you have might not might not realize that that's something. Know, technical, but it, but it is. It's Because if the audience can't see you... <laughs> right. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Anything else you can think of? Um, I don't know. Just in terms of touring, you know, what I, again, I just I keep to myself and uh, I pace myself. I want to see everything in every city. I want to go to all the places and I want to eat all the food. Okay. But you I can't also, do that on the first day. <laughs> well, and I also have eight shows to do. And we're going to play a lot of cities. And if I do that on every city, I'll you know, the show will start to suffer because I'll just be exhausted. So I pace myself. I really got to pace myself and get, yeah. try to get plenty of exercise as much as I can in the hotel room and, and just stay fit and focused and as stress-free as you can. Cause what do you do for exercise? Can I ask? Yeah. So Jennifer found this, uh, when the pandemic hit and everything closed, she found this website called fitnessblender.com and they, there are hundreds of free workout videos on on their website posted on YouTube and they call it fitness blender because it hits all sorts of disciplines, strength and cardio and they do hit and they do kickboxing and Pilates and some yoga. And they blend them all together. And then for like 20 bucks or something, you can buy a, a, a program where they strung 30 or so different videos together over the course of a month. And it gets you a program that's working all different parts of your bodies in all different ways. And it takes about 35 or 40 minutes. I can do it on my yoga mat that I bring with me. I've got some large water bottles that I empty out and then pack them and then fill them with water. So I at least have some sort of weight that I can carry that doesn't make my suitcase over 50 pounds. And it's just good to stay healthy and active, but also just for the stress of traveling. You know, we sat eight hours in a bus today and I came back and Jennifer said, you need to do this 15 minute lower back stretch on fitness blender. And, uh, feel a lot better nice one of the questions i like to ask people is about if you have any in your your pursuits as an actor do you have any guilty pleasures like something that if someone else saw you doing it maybe they would 
um, bust your chops about it or give you a hard time, but you don't care because you do it anyway? Um, well, I have two answers that come to mind. One is not on stage, um, but I, 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 I love to have cookies and coffee for breakfast. Nice. Who doesn't? I mean, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I, uh, my last contract before this ended at the middle of August, and I actually gave up coffee on a daily basis. Because on tour, it can be hard to find good coffee, and it can also be expensive, you know? Sure. Three, four bucks a day for coffee, that adds up over time. Um, but every once in a while, every couple of weeks or so, I will treat myself to a coffee and some cookies and just sit in bed and watch Dunk TV. Sounds delightful. Um, on stage, and this is terrible, but... And again, okay, I want to hear it. Well, Bring it, man. Again, because, you know, the show is set, and now, like, all the discoveries... I get, you know, I get bored and, and other people on stage are also clever, smart, intelligent people. So I like to, so sometimes we play a little bit, sure. not in a way, hopefully that the audience would ever notice on Elf, there was, uh, there's office scenes and there's all these desks and phones and who did you was, play on Elf? Uh, the James Conn role. It's a little bit different, okay. but he's dad It's a little bit different in the play than it is in the movie. He's not quite as mean okay. in the play. Um, but there's this opening number for him. It's not the opening number. It's his number introduces who he is and all these people that are signing documents and handing him folders. And inside the folders were lists of, so we have a crew of people that come with us on the show, but we also hire a, a, a team of locals in the wardrobe department and the lighting sure. to, to, because we can't just do it with all just the department heads that we have. So in these folders on Elf were lists of locals that had worked on past tours, just people's names and how much they had gotten paid for loadout. And one of the names was Cher Rainbow, C-H-E-R Rainbow. And one night, one of the ensemble girls comes up and gets me to sign something, and she circled the name Cher Rainbow. And we're like, oh, that's funny. And so the next night, it's like, hire or fire Cher Rainbow. And the next night, I've got a note in there that says, from Cher, if I could turn back time. And then I go online and find a picture of Cher in a rainbow dress, and I slip that to her. And this starts to grow, and this Cher rainbow thing gets bigger and bigger. And then one night during soundcheck, I didn't do it during a show, but one night during soundcheck, the lyric is, I mean, flying reindeer, let's get real. And I sang, I mean, flying rainbows, let's get real. And everybody howled with laughter, and I thought, oops, I didn't even mean to say that. I, we need to... We need to ratchet it back. So just a couple of nights ago on My Fair Lady, when Higgins is talking about the, the ball and what's, what's going on at the ball, the maids are around me and we're turning to each other. And I had been very much in character. Yes, that's what he said. And she turned to me the other night and I said, you know, I've always loved you. And that, that's about all of the time we have together. And she turned back and now she's laughing. And <laughs> we talked about it later. And I said, I have to be careful, Megan. Because I, I know I'm dangerous that way, and I feel like you're dangerous that way. So maybe once a week, we could find something fun to say to each other, and we could take turns who can fill that moment. But I'm afraid of where that's going to grow, if, mm -hmm. especially this early in the run. Yeah, especially when you have six months to, to potentially sabotage. <laughs> and I could go there, man. I know I could go there. And I, let's, yeah. let's not even get close to that edge. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so... How, how long have you been uh, a stage actor? I guess my first, oh, you're, this is going to blow your mind. My okay. first professional show that I got paid for 
was uh, in 1993, a production of Evita. And nice, yeah, Evita, Evita, yeah, I loved it. It was great, and they brought in these New York people to play Ava and Che. And fast forward now, however many years to today, and we're doing My Fair Lady, and and here's the cast, and everyone's fine, and I'm talking to people and. Somebody, another mutual friend, Michael, says to me, hey, you know, Kevin, um, who's in my family, Kevin said that he played Che a lot uh, in Evita back when back in the day. And the gears started to click. And sure enough, I, I got Jennifer. I said, can you drag out that DVD? It was VHS, and I put it on DVD of Evita. She puts it in the DVD player, and she holds up the FaceTime to the TV screen. And so then I wrote Kevin in our cast. I was like, "Were you? Did you play Che in a production of Evita in 1993?" And he said, "Yes, yes, I did." And so I'm working again with Kevin O'Neill. He's obviously a much older actor now, as am I. Um, but this in, this incredible full circle moment. Full circle. I, I he said, "What did you think of me when when in in Evita?" I said, "I wanted to be you." You were the thing. You were who I wanted to be. You came in from New York. You knew your stuff. You you nice. rocked it. Isn't that crazy? And now we're working together. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And uh, that's not even why I wanted to ask you. I just wanted to say in since the time you've been been an actor, that's an amazing story. Um, so that's what, almost 30 years? Yeah. You're pushing 30 years. In your 30 years of being a stage actor, what would you consider your maybe crowning achievement or your favorite or your best moment you look back and you just say man that was the thing that i'll remember as like this like the best time or the just like man that was just so good i think it's like asking a parent which child is their favorite oh i got one no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um you know i i love playing colonel pickering earlier this year we did a concert of paul williams music with Paul Williams there. Um, That's cool. It was very cool, he said, and reacted very complimentary to the things I was doing. Um, and that was that was huge for me. But in, um, I don't know, I've been so grateful just to keep doing it and to be able to keep doing it and to be able to put food on the table uh, by doing it. I'm just, they're all fun, you know? Man, this is such a great conversation with John, but I wanted to take a second to give you this week's sponsored segment. You know, I don't have proper sponsors yet, but I've been taking the time to promote a couple things that are uh, important to me, like my wife's tutoring business or my own guitar setup business. Uh, I even one time uh, promoted my daughter's very small uh, but very fun YouTube uh, page. And um, I mentioned that and uh, my son gave me the the excited eyes so I said to him Zeke would you like me to promote your YouTube page and he gave me the excited eyes again so I will take this minute to tell you that this week's episode is brought to you by the YouTuber stream it all (laughs) 
My son Zeke runs a very small YouTube page called Stream It All, where he does video game uh, videos, uh, mostly Minecraft, but he does other things like Terraria and uh, other things. He shows off some mods he's been working on, and I don't know, they're kind of fun. I enjoy them. Um, but you can go over there and check them out, give his uh, videos a bump. We'll put the link in the show notes. You can go check those out if you are interested. He edits his own videos. He does all the work himself. I don't help him at all, so he is learning how to do that all on his own. Also, I always want to remind everyone to make sure to, however you are getting this podcast, whether it's on YouTube or in whatever podcast feed, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or Audible or iHeartRadio or however you're getting this podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you gave this podcast a review like a thumbs up or a heart or a like however you your podcast host um, does that it would really help this podcast to rise in the ranks to get noticed to get seen or found by others and also it would be really helpful if you could give us a review and that is especially important on apple podcasts if you're listening on apple podcasts just go on and give us a review five stars would be awesome i'd really appreciate that the host is really great looking um you know the guests are really interesting the topics are really fabulous uh anything you wanted to say uh, you don't have to lie about how good looking i am though everything else would be great though <laughs> Um, okay, enough delaying. I will get you back to the episode right now and back to John. So what would you say if someone now the nice thing about I, I, I kind of consider this like the nice thing about like acting is that like it takes all like shapes and sizes, right? So like even if someone hasn't gotten into it before, you could kind of step into it, right? Like if you wanted to, right, you could you could learn and, and maybe start try to get into acting. So if someone wanted to maybe try to get into acting, what advice would you get them? Where would you tell them to start? How, like, how would you tell them to venture into trying to learn how to become an actor? If that person were in school, I'd say, you know, what's your drama club doing? What's your, uh, or what's your community theater doing that you can get involved in and, and, and go there, you know, start there. That's, where you see if you actually really like it or not. Uh, and, and then how much you like it. Some people, that's enough. You know, I worked at a theater in Pullman, Washington recently. Um, very small time thing. And they brought in a few of us to play the leads. Um, but just terrific people. And that's that was like, she was okay with her day job and then coming in to do this. You know, that she understood that she didn't, it didn't have to be a career for her. It was enough to be a pastime, but more than a pastime. Um, and just get your feet wet and, and see if you like it. Acting technically is about listening as far as I'm concerned. You know, learn your lines, know your cues. That's the other thing. Uh, my first thing I do is learn my lines, but it's also important to know not just when the other person stops talking, but what, what's your cue? What is, what is actually their last word? And then you're just reacting. You're just listening and you're reacting. I, I like to say that the amateur rehearses until they get it right and the professional rehearses until they can't get it wrong. So, so no matter what, as long as you know your cues, no matter what they're throwing at you, you're able to give, you're able to give it back because you know the words. And now I'm just, we're just having a human connection moment together. I'm not thinking about how am I going to say this line or I'm thinking about what do I want? What do I want? I'm listening to the other actor and I'm telling the truth 
back to them and listening in that moment. That's what's fun about acting because sometimes that might be slightly different every night. I had an acting teacher once said, if you memorize your lines, it's like saying, I'm going to catch the ball up here. And you toss me the ball, I'm going to catch it up here. And you toss me the ball, I'm going to catch it up here. Well, one, what if one night they roll the ball across the floor and you still go to catch it up here? You're not listening now. Does that make sense? That, that makes perfect sense. Um, That's amazing. And I love That's a great analogy. I love that about, about the craft because it will be. And especially on a tour like this, we're auditioning audiences every night, essentially. Because audiences have a line. They'll have a laugh. They'll, have, they'll applaud. They'll gasp. And wow. like another character speaking, you know, you have to wait for them to to have their reaction, to have their moment, to for that energy to continually sort of loop through the theater. That's so interesting. I never thought of it as, as so interactive like that. That they're literally the audience is part of the show. Especially, they're literally a part of their character in the show. Absolutely, absolutely, and they can inform the whole. Becky and I were playing a scene. Uh, I love working with Becky. She's again, she's listening. She knows her words and she's just listening. And so we're playing a scene together, uh, which we've done in rehearsal a dozen times. And we're at a place where everybody was happy with it. And suddenly we get this reaction for the audience and it changes. It changes for us. And now it's a whole other scene than I thought it was going to be. And she too. And it was fun in that moment to realize, oh, hey, this is different. Let's let's ride this wave. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, it makes sense because I've experienced that in music, right? You know, if you're like leading worship, you know, then maybe the, you know, the worship goes someplace you didn't expect. Or if you're doing a gig and the crowd's super into it and you decide to take the music somewhere, it doesn't go. But it didn't click with me that if you're in a in a play that 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 would be all the case, all the case also. That's amazing. Um, so I have a question now. And we didn't talk uh, ahead of time to maybe set something up, but I've been doing a segment on the podcast called let's get into it where we've been doing the thing a little bit. Um, and I was wondering if there is any, anything that we could get into about, um, acting. I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously you didn't, you didn't like send me a script or anything, so we're not going to be running lines, right. but I was wondering if there, if they, that would be really cool. Um, but I was wondering if there was anything that you could do with me in just a couple minutes that would, that, that could help us or any tips or tricks that you could show us in just a couple minutes. And if not, it's, it's fine. But uh, I was wondering if you had any thoughts or ideas about that. Well, there's this technique, this Sanford Meisner, I think was his name, was an acting coach of, of legendary proportions. And I'm not sure how this originated, but there's this Meisner exercise where we just pick a word. Okay. Pick a word, Adam. Seven. Feather, you said? Seven, the number seven. Seven, okay. So now we're going to have a scene uh, where all the all the dialogue back and forth with us is the number seven. You ready? Okay. Seven. 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 So you, you get the idea? That's awesome, dude. Have, That's cool, man. Yeah. And how can, and then there was another, um, okay. Oh, real quick. Hold on just a second. For the audio only listeners, 
Yes. I recommend going and watching that on YouTube because that's going to be worth a watch because there, there was acting involved. I, I'm pretty much sure I only said seven and nodded and shook my head and, and John did actual acting. <laughs> but you listened and you changed what you changed, what you changed your seven in relationship to my seven. And I changed my seven in relationship to your seven. And that's the point of that exercise. That's awesome. That's a great exercise. Let me see if I can. Um, okay. So here's one of my lines from My Fair Lady. Perhaps the poem is too difficult for the girl. So this is going to be another acting exercise. That So I would ask you to repeat that line. Perhaps the poem is too difficult for the girl. Perhaps the poem is too difficult for the girl. One more time. Perhaps the poem is too difficult for the girl. Perhaps the what? Perhaps the poem is too difficult for the girl. Perhaps the poem is what? Perhaps the poem is too difficult for the girl. For who? Perhaps the poem is too difficult for the girl. So the idea there is, again, to break us up out of, I'm going to say the line this way. And, and, and who knows what the right choice is? Sure. But it, it's, a, it's a technique to break you out of, the da, 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 say the line. This is the way I say the line. And That's awesome. I found that very frustrating. That was a college professor that did that. But in hindsight now, I, I love it. Just, and I do it to myself if I find myself. And sometimes I am. Uh, there's, a, there's a line... Uh, I have an old school chum who works at the home office. Perhaps he can help. And then a couple of nights ago, I was like, perhaps he can help. And then I thought about it, and I was like, no, it connects with, I have a friend. Perhaps he can help. So that is the correct choice. But again, it just gets you out of just sort of going through the motions because you want to be alive and present in the scene. Yeah. Yeah, or you could emphasize perhaps, perhaps he could help, you know? Perhaps he could help. Yeah, you could, yeah. depending on which okay. word you emphasize. That's... That was awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. I feel like I learned something. I um, could have sent you some sides, though. We could have, we could have had a scene together. <laughs> I am horrible actor. I, I'm so bad. Um, no, you're in but let's... Bed. I bet you're not as bad as you think you are. I, I, I am. I really am. You just, you just have stage fright is all. <laughs> so, name of the show. What is in Plus One? What is next for you? I know... This, I know that you are on tour right now with My Fair Lady and not just like not like like children's My Fair Lady at the community feeder, like the My Fair Lady on tour. With a Broadway Tony a winning director who uh, an associate set the show, an associate of Bart Shears set the show, and then he came for three days and it was the richest experience I have ever had working with director. Just between you and me and the lamppost and the others that are listening to this, I didn't really even know who he was. I have a terrific mm -hmm. agent in New York who knows everything about everything, and I just trust him implicitly. But when I went to New York as part of this audition process, and he was in the room, and he was very kind, and then I looked him up afterwards, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, but he was – it was – he had – first of all, the show was already up. You know, all the blocking, everybody – costumes, and it was all there. So he didn't have to do any of that. But he was able to to give one note that would color the entire scene. He could also give notes that would s fix a specific beat uh, that they say about Higgins. He's not a policeman. Look at his shoes. And then everybody reacts. And he cleaned that up so it's, it's one, two, three. One, he's not a policeman. Look at his shoes. Two, everybody looks at his shoes. Three, everybody looks up and laughs. Not only did it clean the moment for the audience to be able to understand to, to understand what's going on, but it also underpins this what he wants in the overarching theme is this society difference. 
Here's the lower class laughing at the upper class. It cleaned the bit to make it clean in the moment, but it also helped to color the entire scene of the overall themes that he's trying to get through. And there was a, there were things like that. It was so incredibly rich and amazing. And I, he gave notes, and then in note sessions he would say, "Excellent, you took that note exactly right. Now now try something like this." Um, and that's I love to hear that as an actor. You took my note. You know, try it this way, and you do it, and and you get a positive back. At, that's that. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, when his notes are just like laser beams like that, that just, that's perfect. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about the show. First of all, if, if you want to learn about the show, it's, it's, is it, I'm going to put the, first, first of all, I'm going to put a link in the show notes in case we get the, the, the link wrong. Is it myfairlady.com or do you know what yeah, the link it's is? Myfairladyontour.com. Tour. Okay. Um, and it's going all over. The United States is running till May. Right now it is. I'm recording this in late October 2022. It is going all over. Um, if you are anywhere near it, go see it. Uh, it's going to be super awesome. Um, and you guys have just started. And yep. how are the shows running? So uh, so far, so good. We rehearsed everything. We rehearsed and teched the show in Paducah, Kentucky. And we had one show there. And then we were in New Haven, Connecticut at the historic schubert theater another thing i love about touring adam the schubert theater so they used to when broadway shows used to go out of town they used to go out of new york before they opened in new york and they right, you were telling me about this, this I, 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 i'm so excited for you to tell this story so go ahead so at the schubert theater in new haven connecticut oklahoma the sound of music the king and i my fair lady uh 1776 one flew over the cuckoo's nest a funny thing happened on the way to the forum uh, i'm forgetting blithe spirit Cherry Orchard, I'm forgetting a whole bunch, and get your gun, but they all had their tryouts at this uh, Schubert Theater in New Haven, and it's such a thrill to play those spaces that that uh, have such history in them. I'll say this too about so those houses I, I would I would call them like they're vertical. You know, there's 1,500 or 1,600 seats there, um, but there's three balconies, and it's they're you know it's all pretty much on top of you. Know, like then there's this immediate response from the audience. You can hear immediately because there's there's only they're only like you know, a hundred feet back. And then in a modern performance house like where we were last night, uh, it's deep. It, it's more like horizontal, and it's it, you still get the feedback, but it it takes longer and it's it's not as immediate to hear. In those old vertical houses like that, it's just so present, which is why they tried out shows there because that's how the theaters are built on Broadway. Is there any other things that are on the horizon for you? Do you have any plans? I know that you're also a, uh, uh, you, what's the word I'm looking for? Filmmaker? Filmmaker. <laughs> I just interviewed Jed last week, who is a filmmaker, and I cannot think of this word. Do you have anything else? My Fair Lady's running till May. Do you have anything else maybe on the horizon? I know you're a filmmaker. Um, you are wearing the hat for Abolition, which is your, that's a documentary you made. Uh, which is docudrama actually docudrama excuse yes. me yes um which is available to be streamed now right yes at pbs.org and it's also ha we also have broadcast rights well pbs has broadcast rights for three years uh that all just became available at the first of this month so i would anticipate before the end of the year or early next year we might start seeing it on on the air and public television stations but it's available right now on pbs.org 
Awesome. But that is awesome. You guys should definitely go check that out. But do you have anything else in the works that you might be working on, maybe planning on making something else? or There's sort of an ongoing project with my film partner who lives in Palm Springs. Um, we're sort of tracking the development of a new house that's being built by old school mid-century architect. Um, but that's just moving along slowly. Uh, it's difficult to edit on the road. Uh, when sure, of course. Eight shows a week, uh, and I would love for them. I would love for April to roll around and for the My Fair Lady folks to say, "Hey, guess what? We want to run it till December." Um, wow. You want to keep going? I would love for that to happen, but no, I don't. I and that's part of this business is not you know like wow, this is a nine month contract. You know how long have you been at your job? About uh, two years. And you know, my yeah. I was at his job for thirty five years. Yeah, and so in the acting world, it's like, wow, I have worked for nine months. <laughs> yeah, in acting, that's a long time. So it's off. It's it's we're, we're there. There's always it's not necessarily something new, but we're always coming to the end of something and ready for something else in this profession. And, and I've done it long enough now that I just have trust that something else will come, and my agent knows what's on the horizon in terms of what's being cast, and one day at a time. This is. Uh, this is enough for now, but I trust that there'll be something else after this, but I, yeah. I don't at this moment know what it is. Okay. So now that was basically the bulk of our questions. Now we get to the fun questions and we'll get you out of here. Okay. Um, I, I dropped my name drop card earlier uh, for you. You've been an actor, you've been around, so you might actually, you might have some pretty good names. I want you to say a sentence or two and casually drop the name of what you might consider the most famous person you've ever met. I, it's hard to do it casually. I can, I can name you some celebrities that I've, just one one's fine you don't have to you don't have to brag and okay. do a long list i don't know if it's the greatest celebrity um but my friend charlie when i lived in new york uh worked for a publicity firm and they handled uh, national actor theaters which was tony randall's theater and i often would go in and help at events you know just as a underling and we were at sardi's one night and it was the opening night of Sunshine Boys. And, you know, I had seen it. And Jack Klugman and Tony Randall were both in it. But by the way, nobody in the ensemble of My Fair Lady, who's under 30 years old, knows who these people are anymore. But that's a, something for another time. Um, but anyway, uh, I was just, I don't know what I was doing, but I was going up and down the elevator. And at one point, the elevator doors opened. And there was Tony Randall and Jack Klugman, the odd couple, staring me in the face. And they said, is this elevator going down? And I actually think I was going further up, but I said, this elevator is going wherever you'd like it to go. And they got in um, and, and we rode the elevator down together. Awesome. Name drop card. Thank yes. you. I meant to actually awesome. drop cards out of order at the beginning, not to drop the name. I just meant that's, that's your stick on your show is to drop your questions and they get all out of order. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I did, um, number them. So if they get out of order, I can find them again. Um, this is actually my favorite question. This is like the whole excuse for me to even have a podcast in the first place. Uh, what is your all time favorite cartoon theme song? I'm going to have to go old school with top cat. Do you remember top, top cat? cat? No, I've never heard of this one. I'll have to look top, it up. The most effectual top cat. I think it's C. C sharp diminished D G seven top cat mm -mm, the most effectual leader of them all he's the top he's the VIP he's the championship A seven he's the D seven most tip top G seven top cat C 
<laughs> that was amazing. That yeah. was wonderful. I don't know if that's guys, right. Guys, I told you, he's John C. Brown is one of the most talented people I've ever met. Not only did he remember the lyrics, he also knew the chords, sang the song, and uh, gave us the chords. John, thank you so much for joining us. This was delightful. You are a delight. And if you are um, in a town that is like anywhere near like biggest town, uh, my fair lady's probably coming to your town. They're going all over the United States. Go see him. He's probably awesome because he's awesome. <laughs> Does that make any sense? I don't know. Um, John, thank you so much for your time, buddy. You were awesome. It's great talking to you. I miss uh, seeing you around and uh, I hope I wish you well in your show. Um, where can people connect with you? Are you uh, follow you on the Instagrams or the, Oh no, I, I, I have, I have a Facebook account, but that's it. Um, okay. But no, I'm the, the we just had a social media event. You know, the people that manage the social media for the show came, and I was one of the people they didn't want to talk to because we had to fill out a questionnaire. And I was like, I don't have Instagram, I don't have Twitter, I'm barely on Facebook, I can't do your takeovers or your live shoutouts. So they gave me a pass. If you want to follow John C. Brown, go see My Fair Lady. It'll be worth it, I promise. Well, this has been Adam from Impulse One Podcast, and this has been wonderful. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, don't be a jerk.